Welcome to the Agris Law Firm video podcast. We are a different kind of law firm and that's on purpose. At Agris Law Firm, we see you as a person and not just a client. And that makes us better at what we do. We're not just lawyers and you're not just a client. We're friends, neighbors, and family. This is a show about all things legal-ish that friends, neighbors, and family want to know. This is season one, episode three, and today we're talking family law. Today's guest is Shanna Vitek, divorce and family law partner at Bierman LLP. Bierman LLP is a premier family law firm in Illinois with over 40 attorneys handling every type of family law matter, including divorce, child custody, and premarital agreements. Shanna, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm glad you uh, could join. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about uh, Bierman. So Bierman is, like you said, one of the biggest um, family law firms in Illinois and actually in the country. We have over 40 attorneys doing all family law all day. So divorces, premarital agreements, um, enforcement of judgments and that kind of thing. So we do it all. We've handled every type of divorce, um, easy, complicated, big, small. So we have someone at our office who can do pretty much everything. And you guys, uh, speaking of your office, you have uh, two offices, right? We do. We have one. Our main office is downtown, right across from the Daily Center. And then we have a um, North Shore office that is up in Bannockburn, which is by Deerfield. A lot of people don't know where Bannockburn is when I mention it. So it's up right by Deerfield. Okay. And do you practice all throughout Illinois? Or are there certain counties that you focus on? Um, tell me a little bit more about that. So mainly Cook and Lake and uh, some DuPage. Okay. When I was uh, getting ready for this podcast, I was doing research trying to figure out, is the divorce rate going up? Is it going down? Are fewer people getting married? And what's funny is I couldn't find uh, a specific, uh, I couldn't find anything that really seemed consistent. So what's your take on things? Um, I don't know, in the last 10 years, 20 years, whatever it may be, is the divorce rate going up or down? Is marriage rate going up or down? Yeah, what's the deal? So a lot of people think the divorce rate's 50-50, uh, or 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's actually not. It's less than that. It's probably a third of marriages currently end in divorce. Um, and since the 70s and 80s, when divorce really was at its peak, <laughs> probably a lot to do with gender roles changing and the household and things like that, divorce has been going down um, slowly but steadily since that time. But it's at about a third, I would say, right now. Um, it's higher for subsequent marriages. So second marriage, um, the rate goes up a maybe 10% or so, third marriage goes up, and so on. <laughs> and that, it's funny you say that, because when I was doing my research, that was something that I found that was consistent. It seemed a little bit unclear about first marriages, but everyone was pretty clear about second marriages, third marriages, where the divorce yes. rates continue to go up. Yep, exactly. Got it. What was the divorce rate in the 70s and 80s when you said you sort of saw this shift of things starting to decline with the amount of people getting divorced? It was probably more at 40% at that point. That was really the peak, and now it's kind of slowly gone down over time. But you mentioned marriage rate. That's gone down also. So a lot less people are getting married than used to get married. Um, a lot of people are getting married later than they used to get married. And so um, 
some people attribute that to the divorce rate slowly going down, is that people are waiting longer um, to get married, they're living together before they get married, so a lot of people you know, might move in together, realize, like, this is a bad idea, and then they break up before they get married, whereas before, a lot of people didn't really live together before they got married. So I think the living together is almost a bigger deal than the getting married. Because it's like, once you're living together, that's, that's big. <laughs> you're yeah. going to know then if you like each other. And I'm just curious about statistics. So when uh, statistically, do people stay married and stay married longer if they live with each other first? You know, that is unclear. Because I've seen statistics that say living together first um, they're more likely to get divorced, but I think that is probably skewed because it doesn't take into account the people who lived together and broke up. So I don't know, who knows? But I personally think live together first, you'll find out if it's going to work or not pretty quickly. Uh, that's awesome. That's great advice. And this is, um, as we wrap things up at the end of this podcast, I'm going to certainly ask you more questions about, I'm sure you've seen it all, so give us some advice. So, yeah. um, that's, that's very helpful. Uh, what is the leading cause of divorce? Um, so people ask me that all the time. And my answer is that people change, people grow apart. And if you don't take the time to continue to keep getting to know each other, you will wake up one day and realize, um, this is not the person I married. And that's because all of the stuff that gets in the way. So the stress of just everyday life, work, money, kids, all the stuff as you grow up that gets very stressful and the marriage usually gets left behind. So people don't take the time to reconnect, which is when you see somebody or both people looking elsewhere for kind of an escape. So like maybe 10 years ago, we saw a lot of the Facebook divorce. So people would connect with someone, you know, maybe they knew growing up and they, it reminds them of a easier, less stressful time, and then they kind of escape doing that. Currently, we see a lot of what we call the CrossFit divorce. So, you know. So we've so got Facebook, wait, was Facebook, it Facebook divorce. divorce and then yes. what was this? CrossFit? CrossFit divorce. So it's where somebody makes like a life change for the better. Like they start, you know, with good intentions. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to work out. They go and they start hanging out at CrossFit like all the time. Their friends are then from CrossFit and they don't bring the. Um, spouse along for the ride. And so all of a sudden, they're living this different life and their spouse is not included in it. And so that causes a lot of issues. And it, to me, it's all about people change over time. I mean, I'm certainly not the same as I was 10 years ago, thank God. But, <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't continue to date your spouse, basically, you know, you can grow apart. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that. Um, so, and what I, what I like about your answer is when I was researching and preparing for today's podcast, you know, and if you go do, uh, Google searches and we have a joke around the office here about, uh, don't confuse your Google search with my law degree. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you're aware of that? Yeah. Okay. It's a good mug. Uh, totally. I've, uh, uh, I sent it to someone as a joke, but yeah. not a client, but um, anyway, so I was doing what I, th uh, I think non-lawyers are guilty of, but anyway, um, it was interesting. So when I was looking up, uh, biggest reasons why people get divorced, it actually would say like 
money issues, infidelity, and it gives like percentages. And so what I think is interesting about your answer is, it, you know, it primarily focuses on, you know, everyone's going to change uh, things. Um, you know, you and I went to law school together um, 15 plus years ago. Early 2000s. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to make almost sound, twenty. I was trying to make us sound a little bit younger. Um, I was an idiot in law school. I'm certainly different. Um, um, married, kids, things change, uh, law, all of that stuff. So I totally appreciate your answer because um, you know some uh, some advice that I was given is you know you've marriage is a full time job. Yes. And um, you know, it is. <laughs> Nobody tells you that before you get married, but it really is true. No, and what's so funny about this is um, I think it's so important. And someone, you know, gave me this advice really early on that if you're not spending as much time on your marriage as you are um, at work and on your kids and all the other things that take away, um, it isn't going to work. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, I like your answer because it's, you know, it, I think it's accurate. Um, yeah, those other things, they're just a result. So... They reason, you know, there's infidelity. There's something behind that. It's typically not someone just decides, oh, I'm going to go out and have an affair today. It's a result of, you know, a lot of years of buildup. And they say that people who go to marriage counseling go on average six years too late. <laughs> so by the time they're going, the problems are so far gone that it's difficult to fix. And I see that a lot because most people who come in um, who are ready to get divorced have gone to marriage counseling, but it was after things had, you know, really unraveled. Whereas had they gone prior to that, it might have been different. When do you, do you think everyone should go to marriage counseling? Oh yeah. And when do you think? Sure. Right. No, and I, um, my wife and I did it uh, before we got married. Yeah. Um, and it, I, we talked to this day that it was. I mean, it's it was like super enlightening. It was. It's been incredible. So yeah. um, when do you recommend people do it? Before, during, and after. <laughs> I mean, as much, <laughs> as much as you can, because it's all about communication. And it's easier to be honest um, and have clear communication when you have somebody kind of as the mediator. So, um, you know, it may be an argument at home, but you can discuss it um, in a different way at counseling and kind of get some impartial advice as to how to see where the other person is coming from before you, you know, get into your reaction. Yeah. And you mentioned something too. Um, I heard uh, one of my neighbors uh, about a year ago tell me a funny joke and you, you just brought something up where you're like, you know, it's important to date and have date night and do all of that mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, one of my neighbors on my block about a year ago when I was talking to him about something, his response was, well, it's cheaper than a divorce. <laughs> and I think it's it's funny because when my when my wife and I have you know we have time to go out for dinner or we go away for a weekend we always joke where we try to do things big and like our joke is like oh let's totally do this of course let's do it we're gonna have fun we're gonna spend time with each other and it's cheaper than a divorce right <laughs> so anyway that reminded me of it um, in your practice do you represent more men than women or is it about equal or is it's always been about equal okay um, Tell me what the process procedurally uh, of a divorce from start to finish, because I know, you know, I like to say that um, f I feel like family law and criminal law are sort of procedurally their own animal, mm -hmm. where if you do, you know, litigation, whether it's personal injury, insurance defense, uh, commercial lit, 
I feel like that procedure has a lot of overlap, whereas family law and criminal law are different. So procedurally, walk me through what a, I almost said typical, I'm sure there's not a typical divorce, but procedurally walk me through how that works. Yeah, that's the tough thing, is that every situation is different. I mean, we have some where uh, we never even go to court till the day that people get divorced. So if, if the more cooperative people can be, the quicker, cheaper, um, easier it will be. So if people come in and they've kind of agreed on everything, maybe we need a little bit of back and forth. Um, you know, I've got people divorced in three weeks. And the process is you have to file the petition for dissolution of marriage. The other person has to file their appearance. Either you serve them or most people just do it by agreement. And then you decide, are you going to do um, a litigated divorce, which in that case you issue discovery and you know produce every single bank statement from your whole life <laughs> and go through all of those things. And it really just depends on the issues. Um, we try to do, if there's kids involved, the kids' issues first, because um, that's the most important, obviously. So we'll do um, a parenting agreement. And if pe most people can agree on the parenting agreement. If you can't, then you have to get other people involved, attorneys, counselors, and that kind of thing to try to figure out what's in the best interest of the kids. But we start with the kids. Got it. And what is, when you say parenting agreement, are you referring to custody? Yeah. So th actually, that term does not exist anymore. They did away in the past couple of years with the word custody and the word visitation. So custody, it was confusing to people because people thought custody meant who physically had the kids, and it actually meant decision making. So who's making the decisions on what school the kids go to, what activities they're in, what doctors they go to, what religion. And so people got confused with that. I want, you know, people would say, I want custody. I'm like, well, do you know what that means? And most people didn't. They just wanted, they thought it meant the primary residential parent. So they did away with that, and now it's called allocation of parental responsibilities. Wow. <laughs> yeah, which um, we usually just use the word custody still, to be honest, <laughs> but it at least describes what it actually is. And so the court can, or the parties can agree on, and most people make all those decisions jointly, but sometimes where there's uh, bad communication between the parents, they'll um, either divide it up or give the decision-making um, on all of those areas to one of the parents. And I think you briefly, or we've talked about a couple of these terms, and I, I'd like to know the difference um, because it seems to be, um, and this is just based on my like limited knowledge, where it seems like things are trending in a different direction. You know, if we go back to like 70s, 80s, mm -hmm. Um, I remember my parents got divorced when I was super young and it just seems to be a much different world now. Like I was reading on your bio and what your firm does, um, where it seemed like 30, 40 years ago, things were super contentious, dragged out forever. And I'm sure you have examples of that today, but, um, like for example, mediation, collaborative divorce, I feel like these are things that are more recent as opposed to, you know, something that was happening 30, 40 years ago. So what is collaborative divorce? What is mediation? And how is that different than like a litigated divorce or going to trial? So mediation can be part of a litigated divorce or it can be for everything. Um, what mediation is, is two people 
either with or without their attorneys, go to, um, it's usually a lawyer who specializes in family law, um, and will sit down and see how much they can agree on. They'll start with the kids' issues. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, I want to go to mediation, and the mediator's like a judge, that they'll give their opinion, they'll say, oh yeah, you're being much more reasonable <laughs> than he is. And that's not what their job is. Um, their job is to uh, facilitate the parents, the parties, to come to an agreement on their own, because the research shows that if parties have agreed on something, kids and financial, they're more likely to stick with it for the long term. Got it. Um, what is, um, what's the difference between legal separation and divorce? Legal separation, we, a lot of people ask about it. We don't really do it. I've probably done between five and 10 ever. Okay. Um, we used to do them for insurance reasons. Um, okay because then you could stay legally married and stay on your spouse's insurance. But a legal separation is pretty much everything you would do in a divorce except be legally divorced. <laughs> so you can do a parenting agreement, you can do um, support, division of assets. So it's a little bit also like a postnuptial agreement, kind right. of. And usually we'll say, okay, then if someone files for divorce, we'll incorporate this agreement into the divorce so you don't have to do the whole thing again. And that was something I wanted to talk to you about as well, uh, prenups and postnups. Um, this is something my wife and I joke about all the time, and her response is always, do you have any money I'm not aware of? <laughs> right. And I always say, no, I want to give you my student loans. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. Yeah, totally right. Um, what's a prenup? What's a postnup? When do you recommend it? Um, give me the rundown. So uh, do a lot of prenups, not a lot of postnups, because usually one person is not going to agree to do the postnup. Um, we will. The postnup is an agreement that's a contract done after the marriage, um, similar to a prenup, but it's just governed by contract law. It's not under the Premarital Agreement Act, and that may be. Um, people are thinking about getting divorced, they're not sure, and so they do that as kind of, you know, to buy them more time. So they don't have to worry about those things, they can just focus on, you know, seeing if they can work out the marriage. A prenup is something people do before they get married. Usually people, in my experience, wait way too long <laughs> to get it done, and then we're doing it, you know, the week before their wedding. Um, and because people don't want to think about that. I mean, you're happy, you just got engaged, and who wants to talk about that? And right. so people who would like one oftentimes will wait and wait and wait, and then, you know, at the last minute will say, you know, how quickly can you do this? <laughs> and so, you know, that could be frustrating, but we can still do it. Most, um, under the Premarital Agreement Act, it's really hard to invalidate a prenup. So if you get one, expect that it will be enforced down the line if you need it. Should everyone have a prenup? I don't, I mean, it's an individual choice. I mean, most people that we do prenups for, either uh, a lot of second marriages, okay. we do them because people have learned their lesson <laughs> and don't want to go through another um, contentious divorce. Right. So that's one we do a lot. If one person, um, has a lot of non-marital money from either um, 
they're working or their family or whatever it is, and they'll want to protect that. That's a common one. Or both people have a lot of money and they just they want to get married, but they really they're both financially independent and they just want to keep it that way unless they decide they want to buy something together. The ones we don't really see are people who are getting married, they're just starting out, they don't really have anything. <laughs> and so everything they accumulate is really going to be marital and you don't see people in that situation um, getting prenup. Like, I didn't do one because back then we didn't have anything. <laughs> just debt? Law school just debt? Just law school debt. So there was really no need to. But um, yeah, usually it's second marriages or when one person has significantly more coming into the marriage. Right. Or if someone has uh, family money, a big trust or something where it's almost generational, where they just want to make sure it's protected. Yeah. There's definitely families who have their premarital agreements that they, you know, require anyone coming into the family to sign. (laughs) But we make sure, you know, we represent the other side also, you know, you have to advise people if they're signing it, what they're signing on for. Because like I said, it's probably going to be enforced. So if you are signing on for something, you have to be careful. You know, what if it's a woman who's signing on and the husband has all the money and then they have kids, she decides to stay home and not really work, then they get divorced and the premarital agreement says, yeah, you don't really get anything. Out of luck. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a problem. (laughs) Yes. So you have both sides really need to have uh, good lawyers, um, have a divorce lawyer look at it and advise you on it before you sign it because it's a big deal. If someone is going to get a prenup, uh, you had mentioned not doing it a week before the wedding. What would you recommend if someone's going to do it? Just as soon as possible, get it out of the way. You can throw it in your basement and not think about it. Okay. Um, And we were just talking about the example you gave talking about dividing up property or a situation where people get married, have kids, mm-hmm. the woman stays home. And um, Illinois, Illinois is a marital property state, is that? Yes, equitable distribution. Yeah. So it's not fift- automatic 50-50 um, community property. There's maybe nine states now that still have it. And that's presumed anything acquired during the marriage is owned 50-50 by each party. Um, here, you can make argument, although in reality it's usually 50-50 that it ends up being divided, but if, for example, let's say this person has you know, a $20 million trust right. and the other spouse doesn't have any non-marital money, there's a good argument then to give that spouse greater than 50% of the marital money. So it's not an automatic 50-50, although in practice it's usually close to 50-50 unless you have some kind of um, unique scenario like that. Right. I, um, um, I'm licensed in California too and they're a community property state and I, in preparation for this podcast with you, I was looking at the difference between community property, marital property, or however you described it. And I, I know it where I could spit out the rule, but practically speaking, it seems like there's not that much of a difference. Or is there? Not not having practiced in California, I couldn't say how, you know, if they, I know they can deviate it in certain circumstances. 
So I don't know if they're the same circumstances as here. They have the ability to do it too. Um, I just don't know under what circumstances they would. But like what I talked about where one person is getting um, more non-marital money, that might be a situation to say, okay, I want 60 or 70% of the marital assets depending on how much the other person has. Got it. Um, let's talk about cost. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to ask you a question that you get asked all the time, and I'm sure... That I can't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Should I move on to my next question? Just kidding. Let me ask anyway. Yeah. Um, so, and, and maybe um, I, the first question, you'll, I'm sure you get asked all the time and you can't answer it, but I think the second question is what I'm more, it's tied in, and that's what I think is a little bit more interesting. Anyway, what's a divorce cost? That's the question. But who pays for it? Both of them. It comes out of the marital estate. Okay. So it's supposed to be an advance against each party's share of the estate. So at the end, when you split up everything, if one person had spent more, then you're supposed to even it out. That usually doesn't happen um, unless there's a huge discrepancy. Um, but typically the money is paid out of marital assets. I and we talked about this before we started shooting. I watched last night. Also, I I've, I was trying to do my homework in preparation for this. I watched last night. Uh, um, I watched half of it. I couldn't get through <laughs> Marriage Story. You couldn't. No. Yeah, I did. I fell asleep also and had to watch the rest of it the next day. I don't. So I don't know if I thought. I thought it was a little bit slow, a little bit boring, maybe. But and then I also found it a little bit. Um, I don't know. I. I, like I said, I grew up, um, uh, my folks got divorced. I was super young. I don't even think I was a year old. Um, and that literally lasted 20 years. And so I had uh, an exp Maybe I just found it a little bit more irritating because it resonated with me. Yeah. But anyway, I thought something, you've seen it, right? Yes. Do you, do you like it? Do you think it's like an accurate portrayal, not bits that, and pieces? That's, I think, why it won so many awards. I think it is accurate, although it was to, it's depressing to watch. Totally. Um, but I think that's because it's real. And in my experience, a lot of what I saw, even though it was like a lot of cringeworthy, like did you see that part where um, the child representative comes in and sits with him and his son? No, and, uh, I, I'm sorry. I turned it. I, I turned it off after like an hour. I told my first of all, my wife was like, "I don't want to watch this. This will be terribly it is depressing." depressing yeah. And then I'm like, I explained Shanna's coming in. I'm like, I everyone's talking about this. It was all yeah. for awards. Um, yeah. Well, there's a part where this woman comes in and it's to observe um, the father with his son, and it's in his you know very uh, plain, boring apartment, yeah. and the dad is trying to impress this woman, and she just sits there very awkwardly, you know, observing them, and it's very uncomfortable, but that's, like, I have started representing kids in that role, and it is, I mean, I don't just sit there like this woman <laughs> did, but it's very uncomfortable to have to open your home and expose your life to you know, someone who doesn't even know you, or let a judge decide who doesn't even know your family. That's why we encourage people, um, especially with the kids' issues, to come to an agreement, because you don't want somebody who doesn't even know you making decisions for your family. Yeah, 
Um, totally. And I, I want to talk to you about that in one second. But um, one of the things, and when I was saying how much does a divorce cost and who pays for it, I remember in the movie last night, they were telling the the guy saying like, yeah, and you're going to pay for her divorce attorney too. And that's all like, I guess people always say that not true. No, not, <laughs> not unless one person has all, all of this non-marital money, the other person doesn't, then maybe. Or you can make an argument at the end of the case if one person you know, caused, was being unreasonable, didn't follow the court orders, called all, you know, caused all the litigation, then you could argue that they should have to pay it. Um, but like I said, that is less common than the money just coming out of the marital estate. So who? So basically, throughout the divorce process, whether you said it lasts three weeks or three years, um, each party's just paying their own attorney's bills as the case goes as the case progresses. Yes, kind of. If one person has access to most of the money, yeah. we may have to go to court and ask for what's called interim attorney's fees, where they will then have to, you know, write us a check. But it's still marital money because they're still married. Right. So it's just like they're getting an advance of their own money. I'm sure no divorce is easy, but is it easier when there aren't kids in the picture? Not necessarily. No? No. Why, are people fighting over dogs then, or what are people fighting oh, over? Oh, yeah, I've done dog custody. I'm a huge dog fan, so <laughs> I can appreciate um, dog custody. Uh, three years ago, I think, they... Um, uh, enacted that statute because prior to that, uh, dogs were just property. So the court could only say, I'm giving it to you or I'm giving it to you. That's it. Now, it's the best interest of the pet. <laughs> so similar to kids, the court can say, all right, I think it's in the best interest of you know Snoopy that <laughs> he spend one week with you and then one week with you. This is, so this is real what you're talking oh, about? Oh, yeah. It's wild. Do, don't you have a dog? Yeah, we have. Um, I've got. Um, we actually. I've got a dog now. We had two dogs. Um, one of our dogs um, we had to put down about a month ago. Um, but yeah, um, uh, I would say before kids, um, maybe my wife and I would have had that fight. But after kids, uh, the joke is like before kids, our dogs were our kids. After yeah. kids, our dogs. I love them, but they're just dogs now. Oh. Does that break your heart? <laughs> A little. <laughs> so would if if I got divorced, would that my one dog now would not be in the best interest of being with me based Clearly on what not. I just said? <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll delete that portion of the podcast. Um, I wanted to. Um, I was looking at your bio this morning, and I thought um, I I think this is awesome. And I I read this years ago, um, and I think it's really cool. You, I was going to read something from your All law right. firm bio. Yeah, sure. you look nervous there for a second. <laughs> Um, but it says here, and this is the quote from you, it says, I strongly believe that division of a family is not synonymous with destruction of a family, and a court should always be a last resort. Um, I think that's awesome. I think it's great. Um, I, I give that advice to my clients, whether it's a personal injury client, a consumer rights client. Um, so I think it's awesome. And like I said, I, I grew up in a house where um, the attorneys at least certainly handling my mom's divorce, it was the polar opposite of this. I mean, it was it was brutal. Anyway, my question is, so I, I love the quote and I wanted to read it. My question's this, is there ever a time, uh, like give me an example of when going to court is the only option? Um, 
or not the only option, but like, I'm sure you see cases where you're like, I know we can do this collaboratively in mediation. Is there ever a time where someone walks in and you're like, yeah, this is going to go to trial? Um, most cases we settle. So okay. I um, really try to settle every case, um, but we still have cases that have to go to trial. The ones that go to trial is when one person is so unreasonable that we cannot do any worse in court. Like they're offering us our worst case scenario or worse than that. And at that point, you really have no choice. You have to go to court and let the judge decide. That doesn't happen a lot. And a lot of times you'll get all the way up to trial and then the person will say, all right, fine. You know, and then they'll do something more reasonable. Or the judge will give a recommendation in a pretrial, and then you realize, okay, you know, I'm not going anywhere with this. And then that helps to settle the case. Got it. And this is, um, you just brought something up that I'm, that I'm curious about. Are um, family law or divorce trials, they're bench trials, right? So no jury? Correct. Is there ever a jury involved? No. Okay. Interesting. Um, I saw something else you had on your bio here um, talking about um, uh, articles that you've written or presentations, and this one caught my attention, the ethics of representing athletes and entertainers in family law. What are the ethical issues with entertainers or sports people? Or So it's interesting. We've represented a good number of uh, celebrities, athletes, and um, we are very... Um, cautious about not giving out any information, not even that we're representing them or that they're going through a divorce, um, rarely give out any kind of quote or anything like that. We will make sure that we keep um, documents out of court whenever possible. Um, the final divorce agreement will never be in the court file, so nobody will actually ever know. I mean, we've had cases where people say, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so got this much in the divorce, and they have no way of knowing that, and it's not true. (laughs) Because nobody besides us and the other lawyers know, and there's a confidentiality agreement in there, so even the people who do know can't talk about it. So that's one thing that people really um, appreciate as far as our office. They know that we're not going to go out and try to make money off of the fact that we represented them. Okay. Um, What's the difference in um, spousal support, alimony, child support? Is there over, what are those? Spousal support, um, alimony, maintenance, all the same thing. Okay. So that is um, support that's paid from one spouse to the other. depending on uh, all kinds of factors, including the party's age, the length of the marriage, ability to work, whether someone stayed home, whether there's kids, how much money is in the estate. Um, And if maintenance is appropriate, there is now, there wasn't uh, several years ago, um, definitely not when I first started practicing, there was no formula. Now there is a formula, um, and a formula for the duration of the payment. So, the um, amount is determined by taking the person who has more income, subtracting a percentage of the other person's income, and then they pay support for an amount of time that's determined by the length of the marriage. 
And if the length of the marriage is over 20 years, it's presumed to be indefinite, which used to be permanent, but that word freaked people out. <laughs> and so that just means you pay it until something changes. Got it. Um, having seen, um, um, you've probably seen hundreds of divorce cases, right? Yeah. Um, based on all your experience, um, uh, going through cases, whether it's, you know, resolved in three weeks or three years, super contentious, whatever, what would be, what's some practical advice you'd give to people who, you know, let's say are in a long-term relationship and considering getting engaged or they've been engaged and they're going to get married. Like what's some sort of practical advice you would give based on everything that you've seen? Um, like I said, I'm a fan of the living together before. Um, and just the counseling and discussing, um, stuff ahead of time so that there's no surprises. <laughs> um, there's still going to be surprises, but you know, as much as you can talk about ahead of time and be on the same page, yeah. um, that I mean, that's huge, and you have to keep doing that <laughs> indefinitely. <laughs> Got it. Not what was it? Not permanently. Not permanent. per permanently. Indefinite. Just indefinitely. Until something changes. <laughs> Perfect. I like that. Um, what is? Um, What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? And we'll put this information up at the bottom of the video. Um, to call, email, um, our office number. Well, we have a bunch of them. Uh, my direct line is 312-621-1263. Okay. And then my email is slvitek at beermanlaw.com. And Beerman has two ends at the end. Perfect. People forget the second end. Perfect. Um, all right. I, uh, before we wrap this up, I've got a couple of rapid fire questions. And I know when we were talking before the camera started rolling, you were going to look for a second. But I like it when these are more candid answers. All right. What do you got? Um, favorite animal. What's your favorite animal? Um, polar bear. Polar bear? Yeah. What app do you use the most? Probably Facebook. <laughs> I keep meaning to delete it, but... <laughs> Do you have a certain app you'd rather use? I use I'm on Facebook all the time too, so it's like a yeah, whatever. Yes, yeah, something more uh, like CNN or something more respectable. Fair enough. What's your favorite food? Sushi. Uh, what would be your perfect vacation? Galapagos. <laughs> um, finish this sentence. Weekends are for relaxing. Good. Uh, that's on my uh, uh, my bio on my website. That's my answer too. Um, last one. If you were not a lawyer, what would you be? Psychologist. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. There's a lot of psychology involved with divorce. Yes, that's what I was gonna be. So now oh. I'm kind of both. <laughs> Got it. Is it was that your major in mm -hmm. school? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so yeah, this was, I, I really appreciate you coming on. This was awesome. Uh, it's Thanks insightful. for having me. Yeah, totally. Um, and like I said, I, um, I've been thinking, we just started doing this video podcast. Uh, you're the third guest. So thank you. Thank you. Um, and when I was thinking of doing it, um, I knew in the back of my mind of people who I wanted to have on early on and, um, uh, certainly, you know, family law, I think is such a huge deal. It, you know, it, even if you never go through a divorce, it, you know, if you're married in a relationship, it affects everyone. So. Yeah. And everyone knows someone. Uh, totally. So totally. So this was awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks I, for I, having I me. It was good it. to see you after yeah. all these years. I know, I know. <laughs> and stay tuned for our next podcast.